411 Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. State of world, 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your It is 2021, and you know what that means. It means redrawing of legislative, congressional, local, government body district lines or redistricting. Why should you care? Well, if you care about your vote counting, you should care. And if you care about voter suppression, you should really care. Hello, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, real people, real talk. I have two special guests joining me talking about gerrymandering, voter suppression, and voting in general. Timothy Schindler, who is executive director of Wisconsin Voices, and Jamie Crofts, policy director of Wisconsin Voices. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Now, Tim, I have to give a little bit of background. Tim has 25 years of human services leadership experience. He has been a leader and advocate in working in the black, brown, and refugee communities with education, knowledge, and support of their voices for their voices to be heard. And Jamie has a background in constitutional and civil rights law. And Jamie is also an experienced progressive political activist and organizer. Okay, so that just <laughs> takes that out of the loop. All right. So in other words, you guys are highly qualified to talk about this, okay? <laughs> um, this, to me, is uh, the perfect time to have you guys here to talk about gerrymandering because we're in the midst of redrawing of the lines, as I mentioned, on different levels of government. And uh, Tony Evers also had his independent uh, a redistricting commission coming in to kind of do the same thing. Um, what is your take on this whole process and what we're in the midst of right now? I know that's a broad question, and we'll just, you know, we'll get into the details a late, later, but just looking at it from that, that broad lens. It's a mess, yeah. um, and it's a mess at many different levels. Um, at, we have problems going on trying to get fair maps drawn at the local level, at the county level, and at the state level. Um, politicians are trying to protect themselves and protect their seats. Politicians of all parties are doing this. And it's resulting in not just a deadlock, but it has the potential to result in terribly unfair maps for the entire state of Wisconsin for the next decade. Yeah. And we've kind of already been in that, yeah. you know, this past decade. Um, what about you, Tim? Well, yeah, as you look at what they're doing and what's going on now, even in Milwaukee County, so there was uh, three times they rejected the independent commission map that was presented to them, Rock County the same. And you're seeing more that it's more a power grab versus really trying to get true representative representation for those communities. So, and that's the struggle that we have as uh, Wisconsin Voices are trying to push towards independent commission models statewide. Uh, so that way, it's someone that's outside the purview of politics that can really look at the representation in the communities and making sure it's accurate, representative of each community, each person, and that. So that's what we're trying to push uh, towards as we're trying to change, work with policy changes, legislative changes. But in Wisconsin, right now, we're looking at the 
uh, the Iowa model, but we'd like to see a better model than that. But that would take a constitution change to our Wisconsin constitution. Okay. And we'll dive into that a little bit later uh, as well. Uh, I should mention, just, you know, I kind of, you know, taking for granted that everybody knows why we're doing these lines right now, redrawing. Every 10 years, we have the census, and I'm sure everybody had to go through that. But the year after, you have to redraw lines because the population has to be equal within those districts. So you redraw the lines to make sure, you know, that's the case. But also it gives people or lawmakers the, uh, you know, the avenue, I guess I should say, to redraw those lines that would give them the advantage. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've been going through because at 2011, that was a mastermind right there. Uh, Those lines were drawn in such a way that they cushioned Republicans. It's like, you know, we know we have these safe seats. So you have all these people voting, but, and there may have been more Democrats voting statewide, but more Republicans got those legislative seats. Yeah, and that's what actually happened in 2018. Uh, Democrats got 53% of the votes cast for the assembly and 36% of the seats. Yeah. So it's we're to that point where politicians are picking their voters and voters are not picking their politicians. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well in part, that goes back to the census. So in the, the African-American community, you know, that that – it's a struggle to get them to be part of the census and understand truly that this has pretty significant implications and ramifications, not only for the redistricting but and representation, but for the federal dollars that funnel to the state, to those communities. So it has a bigger impact. Well, let's talk about Wisconsin Voices, because I know you guys partner with a lot of organizations, and you're about education and awareness and leadership and all these different things. So how are you kind of pushing, educating people about, you know, gerrymandering, voting, that kind of thing? Well, we're working with our partners, and uh, my director of organizing and partnership has created a training that will be kind of doing a model with uh, our partners, uh, to train them up on how to train their community. But we're connecting with those communities, educating those residents. And then uh, we're even going to videotape our trainings. So we'll be on our website, but then it could be connected to all our partners too. So we're trying to work hand in hand with the partners and be inclusive and hear the voices of those communities and the challenges and struggles and what are the key issues in their communities. And uh, so we're not a top-down approach. We're basically, uh, our partners know their communities better than we do. So we want to hear the voices from them on what support and assistance do they need. And then we come in there and do that with them. And then uh, before I came aboard, they were not out in the communities. And we are out in the communities now. We're out in the communities with our partners. We just worked with Metcalf Park, and we helped build a a playground in Butterfly Park, the Mm -hmm. one that got burnt down. So we're to us, it's not – if you're not connected in the community, if you're not hearing those voices, how can you represent them and help them move forward? to be leaders in their community and have that voice and not have that voice squaled yeah. down. So Yeah, I think we talked before yeah. talking about uh, organizations with really good intentions yes. coming in and trying to give assistance, but looking at it from their perspective of what I think you need right. instead of going to the people to find out what right. exactly you yeah. do need. Yeah, so we're very partner and community-centric. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not like in the past it was, you know, okay, here's what we think you need, but this is really where we're having our partners help lead uh, and be part of the mission and vision and values of Wisconsin Voice and push it forward to the next generation. Right. So, and I think that's what's going to help us make stronger, but we're trying to build a huge coalition of partners in these communities. So that way all these communities could have one strong voice. And that's what's going to help us to address the issues. Like Jamie, as a policy director, is going to be working with those agencies and those communities to find out what are the policy issues that they have, how can we address them, and then, you know, how can we go to the legislature and push for change in those areas. Okay. Speaking of that, coming back to you, Jamie, the numbers that you mentioned about how many legislators ended up being in, you know, in in the chamber, Democratic versus Republican, and how that's kind of skewed because of the gerrymandering. So as a policy director, are you advocating for the independent restructuring or redistricting commission and in doing so, lobbying lawmakers to do that? And if it's if if it's right now it's skewed to one advantage, the Republicans, are you getting Republicans on board for an independent commission? Well, you know, it's something that uh, other people have been working on for a long time, and I'm really excited for Wisconsin Voices to really dig in in there. Um, And, yeah, uh, next year we're planning on doing both grassroots and direct lobbying um, all around the state and with, you know, legislators of all political persuasions Mm -hmm. because, you know, everyone should want fair maps. And in Wisconsin, actually, people do want fair maps. Um, Polls have shown that 83% of people in Wisconsin want fair maps. Um, And then 56 of our 72 counties have passed either resolutions or referendums saying that they want independent fair maps. Um, So it's really more, you know, getting the legislative will. Um, And there actually is already bipartisan support, um, although it is skewed in favor of the Democrats. Um, there are three Republicans uh, in both the, in the Assembly and three Republicans in the Senate who have co-sponsored legislation that would create an independent commission. Okay. Um, and then another senator actually earlier this week, um, Senator uh, from Brookfield, uh, Koyunga, um, actually came out and, sa- and said that the Senate – that they sh- the Senate should hold a hearing on the bill, and he wasn't even one of the co- original co-sponsors. Oh, really? So I think that, you know, as people hear more from their constituents, they're going to have to be more responsive. And so that's where, you know, the, the grassroots level and really making sure that we're helping educate people and, you know, understand why gerrymandering is such an important issue and how it really results in suppressing their votes. I know there's ha- nationally there's been a lot of talk about you know gerrymandering suppressing the vote and that kind of thing. So do you think it's it's resonating with the um, the folks you know local people who might not be very interested in politics? You know I I think that it is starting to get to that point. Um, just with everything that's happened over the last few years, um, you know Wisconsin especially we've been in the news several times for you know things like the the two. 
2018 election I mentioned earlier. Um, and earlier this week, the legislature held a hearing on its proposed maps, and uh, more than 200 Wisconsinites showed up uh, to protest the proposed maps or speak against them. More than 150 people spoke against the proposed maps. Not a single member of the public spoke in favor of the maps. Oh, wow. Oh, it was only the uh, the two Republican legislators leading the meeting who actually spoke in support of it. Um, and it went all day. It went from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And, you know, people were care so much about this issue that they were willing to stay there at the Capitol all day to make sure their voices were heard by the committees. That's encouraging uh, because, you know, if you have a cushioned seat, it's, you know, you, you feel comfortable so you can be extreme. Mm -hmm. But if all of these people are coming out and saying, hey, you know what, we need to do something about this, you think gradually they would start to listen. Mm hmm and that's the hope, right? That's the hope. And, you know, especially, though, at, you know, the state assembly level, the state senate level, there you can move your politicians if you really organize at a local level and make sure that you're reaching out because, you know, it's so so many fewer votes than, for example, you know, a U.S. Senate or a congressional election that they do have to be more responsive. Right. And so as, if you're making sure that people of all political stripes are making their voices heard to their legislators, that's how we really get that change. The other thing, too, is you talk about educating folks about gerrymandering and all that. Got to educate people that you have to vote. Yes. You know, that's that's number one. You have to vote and you have to vote in those midterm and those spring elections, you know, the primaries and that, that kind of thing, whereas a lot of people stay away from, but you've got to make that, that vote count. Oh, absolutely. And here in Wisconsin, we have, you know, important elections that are held in April of off years, um, state Supreme Court seats this past year, the state superintendent. Um, and so it, it is incredibly important yeah. to make sure people are mobilized and getting out for those elections, because if it's just the extremists on either side, you're just going to get more extreme and more extreme leaders. That, and that's a good point to point out, extremists on both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why Wisconsin Voices, uh, when we look at things, we look at the youth haven't had a voice, the 17 to 25-year-olds, and those are the ones that don't come out and vote. So we, we're creating a program with the partners on civic engagement, education, leadership, and uh, self-esteem to work with those ages to get their voices heard, uh, but in their language on the social media platforms that they use. Mm -hmm. So uh, so we're starting that. We're finalizing how that's going to look, and it's going to be like four of us, part, four partners with ourselves facilitating in, in this. And uh, one of our partners, uh, the Milwaukee Turners, uh, uh, their executive director, Emilio, is very connected. So we're even going to have the civic leaders, uh, legislative leaders and all that be part of that training and development. So that way they'll be able to hear the voices from those youth themselves. So I think that is going to be key to actually next year in the election is really educating them, get them to see they do have a voice, that people do care about their voice, and they are a leader. Because right now people, when they look at youth, they look down upon them. They said, oh, they don't know anything. They're, right. they're just, or, you know, especially in African-American, they say, oh, they're thugs or gangbangers. They're not. So you don't know. You don't know the trauma they went through. So And so what we want to do is really lift them up and help them to see that they true, Jay, are true leaders, they're organizers, and, and we're going to help them with that through this program that we're developing. And then this is going to be year-round. 
It's going to be year-round, yeah. so it's going to touch numerous youth. I think it's great to target youth because if you get them in the habit of voting, as they get older, it's you know it's like brushing your teeth. Right. You just go do it. it yep. You know it's your civic duty, duty so you do it. Uh, but getting that mindset at a very young age is key. Well, the other thing is, so with our age, if we go talk to youth, they're going to say, okay, you don't understand us. <laughs> so having a youth talk to youth yeah. is what's really going to make impact, not us talking to them. It's going to have the youth talking to youth at their language, at where they're at, and educating them is what's going to be successful. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, you think about the, the climate that we, we have come from with all of the protests and things like that. Mm -hmm. Seeing the young people come out take a stand, grab hold and say, hey, this is not right. Mm -hmm. And we're going to let you know, we know, we want you to know that we know, you know, and them just, you know, forging ahead, taking that stand. That was very encouraging to me. And I'm hopeful that that kind of translates in that whole civic duty of voting and knowing how important that is too. Absolutely. And actually, um, you know, one of my favorite speakers at the public hearing on Thursday was um, a University of Wisconsin student who came to talk about how uh, the campus was being split and some people were going to have to travel farther to vote and go to a different precinct and how confusing that can be. Oh, wow. That was good. That's good. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more. And we're going to talk about how, um, you know, s some of the proposals for that are promoting voter suppression. So let's delve into that. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Every day, every day, millions of people are connecting. And even though we're overcoming obstacles, watching each other's backs, and banding together, we should still make an effort. We should still make an effort to get to know each other on a deeper level. Father, cosplayer, mentor, actor. It's time we take a step forward. It's time we take a step forward. Come together and discover how accepting our differences can make, make us stronger. Have you ever seen somebody treated unfairly because of the color of their skin? Do you guys know what it means to have white privilege? What is racism and what do you think about it? Talk to young children about what racism is, giving them the language to understand it. They can be disruptors. They can shape and shift culture. We may not always know the answer, but we'll try and help you learn. You don't have to have all the answers, but that doesn't mean we can't start. Welcome back to the 411 Live. I'm talking with Tim Schindler and Jamie Crofts. They're with Wisconsin Voices. We were talking about, um, or about you, about voter suppression. And of course, Top of mind for me, when I think of that, I think of the voter ID, um, you know, that whereas so many in, I think it was the 2016 election, so many did not vote. And that was a hindrance for many people. Um, what are you seeing as far as voter suppression? I mean, our existing laws are a big problem mm -hmm. and they're one that we're going to have to continue to deal with. We have, if not the strictest, one of the strictest voter ID laws in the country, as you know. Um, but, you know, it's more than that. Uh, since the 2020 election, we've seen, you know, attacks on our democracy at all levels. Um, and here in Wisconsin, um, the legislature passed uh, more than one bill that would have even further restricted voting rights in the state. And luckily, the governor vetoed them. Um, but really, you know, that was the only thing standing in between it getting, you know, 
getting even harder to vote in Wisconsin than it already is. I moved back here um, just before the 2020 election, uh-huh. and um, I had to go through the process of you know getting my photo ID because I couldn't use my West Virginia driver's license, even though I had a lease and everything else. And you know I'm I'm a pretty highly educated person, and it still took me three trips to the DMV. And I ended up not leaving with a driver's license, but with the free voting ID, um, because I had to order my birth certificate from the state of Wisconsin to provide it to the state of Wisconsin. And I mean, you know, I'm someone who I care a lot about these issues and voting, so I was not going to let it stand in my way. But not everyone even has the time to go to the DMV three different times to get an ID. And then you also have to take the time to vote. And uh, you know, those kind of systemic barriers are problems, too. Um, but, you know, we're also seeing, like I said, bills to restrict voting elsewhere. And all of all of the gerrymandering we're seeing is a form of voter suppression. It's not a democratic system when the people who get the more votes still have a small m- minority of yeah. seats. Regardless of who the party in question is, no one should want that. Um, you know, isn't one one person, one vote supposed to be our American ideal? Right. It is. It is. We we were talking before the <clears throat> the recording was going on. We were talking about prisons and voter suppression within that. Oh, yeah. Um, so prison gerrymandering is a big problem here in Wisconsin. Um, and what that means is that people who are incarcerated under Wisconsin state law are supposed to be counted um, at the place where they intend to return. No one intends to return to prison. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they should be counted in their home districts, whatever their home address would be. Uh, but they're not being counted that way. They are being counted as residents of the prisons. And so what that results in um, is in Juneau County, there's a district where 80% of the district is incarcerated. Uh, there's a district in Wapung County where 75% of wow. the district is incarcerated. Um, and some of these people are eligible to vote. Some are not. Um, but they they wouldn't be voting in, in the prison's district. And this is, you know, that what that results in is a person who's not incarcerated in those districts. Their vote counts, you know, 10 times more than people in other districts. Right. And the thing of it is, if, they, if they're, you know, you do your maps and you count that prison population, it's changing all the time. These people are getting out of prison and going back to their hometowns. Mm-hmm. You know, so that population is shifting a little bit, but that big number is staying there for, uh, in that district, the way it's drawn for at least a decade. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And District 53 in the Assembly um, actually claims to have one of the largest black populations in the state, but it's all because of a prison. Really? So, so that goes back to the, the census and the maps and truly having true representation. If you don't really have them where they're really going to reside and where they came from, they're going to have less representation in those communities. Yeah, there's a void. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So what do you do? Because I know with the whole, the, the redistricting, the, the decade that we're just coming out of and the result and the numbers that we're able to be voted into the legislature. That has been a little discouraging for some. What do you do to um, quell that, to make people, you know, stay in the process, vote, don't get discouraged? You know, how do you 
keep that momentum going. Did you want to go first? Oh, you can go first. Okay. <laughs> well, I think it's really, you know, um, working with those communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of the education, but also part of them seeing that, you know, we want those communities to be resident-led and trying to get them to be leading their communities. And, uh, and we're trying to do that model statewide. We're trying to, you know, so as we write for grants and all that, we're proposing that each community is it's resident-led, not organizational-led, mm-hmm. resident-led. Like Medicaid Park is resident-led. There's a couple other communities, and that's what we're trying to get in all the communities, to have like a resident-led board that is leaders, and then they could help in those communities because they're already respected, and they could get people excited and involved in the voting. Right. So, so that's a huge part of where we're trying to go. Yeah, and from a policy level, um, I work daily with um, Latoya White, our, pol- our uh, partnerships and organizing director, and also with people at our partnership partner organizations. Because you know, like Tim mentioned earlier, we shouldn't be going into people's homes and people's communities and telling them what we think is best for them. Our policies should be based on the needs of the p- the people in the communities that we're trying to serve, um, and so. That involves, you know, not just me doing a public education event about redistricting, but really sitting down with people and saying, you know, what are your problems, you know, and what and what are those steps that we could try to take to try to address some of those. Um, And, you know, also when you are working with people to come up with those types of, you know, kind of transformative policy ideas, um, it helps keep them energized and interested Mm -hmm. in voting. Um, And, you know, if their legislator isn't willing to, you know, co-sponsor or vote for a bill that would really help their community, that's a way to really get people invested in the process. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, with uh, Wisconsin Voices, you guys, you're training up leaders who would go to some of these hearings Mm -hmm. and tell these politicians you know, this is what we need. This is the way it should be. This is what you need to do. Yeah, I can speak at 10 public hearings and it won't have the same effect as 20 people from 20 constituents, you Mm -hmm. know, reaching out to their legislator or actually showing up to a meeting. So, yeah, so we're building, helping to build the skills and strength that they have that they don't see within them and then uh, supporting them in that and give them the tools so they could be successful and they could be the leaders and the advocates going out there. Because like, like Jamie said, we go out there, they're really not going to take us serious. But if the community residents come out there in full force, they're going to have to take them serious. Right. And that's what we want. We want them to have their voices heard because their voices haven't been heard for a long time, you know, and that's why we exist because we care about these communities. We care about the residents. We care about their rights to have a voice and have true representation and be part of their community and get the services that they should get. You know, I mean, you look at the transit system. So, you know, when you talk to, about voting, so in the poor communities, they cut the transit system down quite extensively, but in the wealthy communities, they haven't. So the wealthy so communities... So that, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So the wealthy communities have cars where the poor communities don't, and then you're saying they they. They don't want to get a job, but they have no transportation in that job. So they can't be truly civically engaged if they don't have like a wraparound approach where they could go engage and stuff. So, so, and I've been fighting Milwaukee County Transit for over 10 years on this. And uh, it's always been a struggle because, you know, it's, they're really not seeing where the needs are. Yeah. And they're really, it's like, there's no care or empathy about those communities. So... 
You know, I don't understand why people don't get it in their heads that when you build up the least of us, as you know, and I'm putting quotes on that, you build up everybody. You know, with the people who maybe below or in poverty are lifted up and they have sustainable jobs and they have a good home, then everybody is lifted up. Correct. But I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't think people get that. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, some of this goes into, you know, the history of this type of, you know, demonization in our country where, you know, there was, you know, a real opportunity, for example, after the Civil War for working class people to, uh, to come together. Um, but too many white pe- people allowed fear and racism to get in the way. Um, and really, you know, building those coalitions is so important, but there are always you know, leaders and people who want more power, who are going to try to pit people who are in very similar situations against each other for, you know, reasons like race or sexual orientation that shouldn't be dividing them. Well, and I think of Georgia with what they put in enacted their law. So their law actually takes away truly the vote from people because it takes away from the Secretary of State for confirming the vote. So now it goes to a political committee that confirms it. So they say, well, we don't agree with this. Yeah. But also when you look at when the governor signed that bill, it was all white men, but what was above him was a picture of a plant, a plantation where slaves were held. So that says what they represent. You know, and you think our society, especially in someone that high power of office, what does that say to that community? What does that say to those poor communities? We don't care. Mm. And I mean, when you make it illegal for someone to pass out water to people waiting in line to vote, I think you're making your intentions pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thank you both for joining me. Um, I, I, you know, we're left with there is hope, but we have a lot to do. There's work to be done. And we all have a place and a part in this. And so I hope that um, that's the message that people take away from this. Yes, it's not an easy lift, but it's an important one. Absolutely. Yep. And it truly takes a village uh, with this to get the voices heard. Yeah. So, yep. so Tim Schindler, uh, Executive Director, Wisconsin Voices, and Jamie Crofts, Policy Director of Wisconsin Voices. Thank you both for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, good conversation. And thank you for joining us for another edition of the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. Again, remember that we are a nonprofit organization, so if you're so inclined to help us out, go to our website, the411live.org. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.